What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Dapper Villains Podcast. I am Dana Bluen, as always, joined by my co-host, Jay Such Dave. Jay, what's going on, brother? And I'm feeling fresh and uh, I'm rich as fuck. in the morning. It's, it's how I feel, man, because the, the guest we have today um, is an OG. I'm excited. You know, has, has an a, amazing story of how he started from the bottom and just you know, made it all the way through and um, very inspiring guy for sure. And very uh, unique guy. I mean, Probably one like of the he, hottest, hottest celebrity designers in menswear right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's one fresh. of the, and one of the most talked about Taylor for sure in yeah. the industry. Um, I don't think there's other guests been... talk about how dope he is. Yeah. Yeah. His name was dropped quite a lot. Yeah. So, uh, it's, it is great uh, honor for us to have him today, Absolutely. for sure. So let, let's get right into it. Let's bring Rich in. Uh, Rich, thank you for taking the time to join us here on Dapper Villains. Driving yeah, around man. in Maserati around LA. Riding around, you know, uh, I, got, I got my bro, uh, co-founder, Hemi Mask. Oh, it's Chase Morgan. What's up, what's up, man? How's it going? Hey, how's it going? So this is yeah, our man. first This is our first episode with a guest who's on the run, <laughs> mobile. But we appreciate you taking the time. We know you got a busy schedule. Uh, if, on the off chance that we have some listeners who don't know who you are, can you just give us a, a quick recap of who you are? Just in case <laughs> two people out there who don't know. Uh, yeah, my name is Fresh. Um, they call me the Drip Guy. Uh, I'm the CEO, founder of luxury lifestyle brand Rich Fresh. I'm also the co-founder and CEO of Henry Mass Company, which uh, my brother and I started a few months ago. It's the biggest mass brand on the market right now, the most stylish brand on the planet. Um, it's not even up for discussion. It just is what it is, baby. So, uh, I was, uh, when, we were, when I was doing some research on you, I saw that you're originally from Memphis, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm from Memphis. It's like, I'm in Los Angeles now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm originally from Memphis. Uh, you know, that's pretty much where I like grew up at and, um, you know, figured out that I wanted to get into this business and started hustling, just figuring out how to do anything to make money with a sewing machine. And, you know, I started my career out doing alterations, you know, nice. or I was altering, on, I was altering bullshit, anything. I was $10 for a hymn. I was doing all kind of little bullshit. Whatever it takes, uh, right? Whatever it took, bro, straight up. Um, now, I've been to Memphis. I, I like it as a city. Good food, good culture, uh, but definitely absolutely. a departure from uh, L.A. And the style you see on the street in Memphis, in my recollection, I haven't been there in 10 years, but, you know, the style you see on the street there is much different than the, the street style, the luxury stuff you're doing now in Los Angeles. Like, what was that transition like and what, what kind of fueled that as you ran into it? Um, you know, I've always had like a luxury sensibility when I was broke. I was always like, uh, you know, champagne taste on a beer budget. I was always <laughs> that guy. Okay. So, um, you know, I would always look at bougie shit, you know, lifestyles of the rich and famous before I got rich and famous. Yeah. Um, you know, I look at the cars before I could get them. I look at the food before I could afford it. And, you know, I just paid attention to like, what is luxury? Like some people get to have luxury all the time. It's like, well, what is this thing? And, why do some people get to have it, some people don't? So I've always been like a purveyor of luxury, or at least always tried to be a purveyor of luxury. 
Mm. So when it came time to me getting the clothes, you know, I didn't have it offhand. I didn't understand like the value. Like, how do you value your shit luxury? You can make something nice and say, man, this is exclusive, but your pricing really indicates whether it is or not. You can say that shit all day, um, but your pricing has also indicated that. So I had that disconnect. You know, I was making cool stuff, but I wasn't pricing it in an affordable space. So the energy of the product wasn't luxury. It was run of the mill. And, um, you know, I was working for Xenia uh, for a year. So I got real comfortable in the space of like selling luxury goods. Um, shit, it didn't make any sense to me. Like, why would someone spend $2,000 for this suit? It's fused together, bullshit. Because that's what the price tag says. That someone was gonna buy it. Because there's a consumer for everything. So I think it, it, it just took a few experiences to realize that like, you know, you can exist in this space and I'm also, you know, you don't see very many black designers in the luxury space. Um, and if you do, they are definitely not on no independent shit, you know? Um, and so, you know, I've just always been big on like being a boss and being in control of my narrative. And um, I like nice shit. I like rich clients. They seem to be less of a headache than not rich clients. So I was like, I want less of a headache. And my product's good enough for rich people to want it. So. Let's just communicate it like that. Hmm. It's good positioning. It's it's an interesting journey. Like you talked about, like you, you're hustling just ten dollar hams, you know, probably fixing like work pants, and then to go to selling oh, yeah. out to a luxury brand that you understand the the branding and positioning on. You know, how long did that whole journey take to get from where you started, like you said, hustling with a sewing machine, whatever it took, to to today? driving the periwinkle Maserati to the bank. <laughs> to the bank, baby. Um, you know, I started this when I was 21. Like, when I was 21, I started my first. No, nah, it's a lot. When I was 21, I started a business that actually made a lot of money doing alterations. But I was 19. I was a college dropout. I was just posted up, um, just figuring out. Oh, that's it? Yeah, you know, I, I I was just, you know, a, a broke kid trying to figure out how to, like, make a little bit of money. And so um, I remember, man, I fucking drove to this guy's house one night to take out the waist on, like, four of his pants. It was a scare. I thought this motherfucker was going to, like, abduct me and eat me or some shit. It was the weirdest shit ever. It was late night. It was dark. I was frightened. But shit. And, and I wasn't going to make but, like, 40 damn dollars for the whole thing. I was over that person's house for, like hour and a half working on some damn pants at night in the boondocks. This motherfucker had 18 cats. When I put it to his house, he had 18 cats. I was like, oh, hell no. And it's dark. Oh, man, I, I, I can't even scream loud enough. Um, Anyone who has 18 cats has issues. Anybody <laughs> with 18 cats has issues. You can't, you can't trust that shit at all. So, um, but, you know, like, again, man, I was just to do whatever it took. In 19, I mean, you know, it's been almost two decades, you know what I'm saying? Like, of just hustling and hustling and hustling and hustling and hustling and hustling and figuring it out, figuring it out, and like, mm, tweaking shit, tweaking shit, you know. I know Jay knows it. I mean, you probably knew the story, but I was in a motherfucking shelter, not even like 
two and a half years ago. Wow. Uh, like real, real fucked off. And it's just like choices. Like, man, why am I here instead of somewhere else? Hmm. Like, it's just choices. Like, I got the same 24 hours in a day. I just made the wrong choice. What what could I have chosen differently? I could have chosen to cater to a different market. I could have chosen to put more energy into developing a better product. So once I got to that point, then it just like then it clicked for me. You know, like I mean, I've been a entrepreneur for. More than two decades. Yeah, Rich is dropping off the mask to the bank, keeping everyone, uh, oh, yeah. people safe. Yeah, exactly. I gotta keep my bank safe, baby. They take such good care of me. I gotta take good care of them. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I understand that that hustle, like that grind. Like I said, I've been an entrepreneur more than two decades, on and off myself, and I've had, you know, ups and downs, you know, successes and failures, and you know, it's the what you show when you get to the point where you're in a living in a shelter, but you can still come back and build a multi-million dollar luxury brand just because like you said, you, you observed that you had opportunities to make better choices and you did it. Mm. Right. That's what sets success apart from failure. And also what I like um really want to know is like okay so at 19 or 21 you were doing alteration business and it was making a lot of money um what so and and then you work at xenia and stuff so how, how did it go from that to you know going to a shelter and then coming back out um because it's it, it was very relative like when i say a lot of money like and this is back in memphis yeah, my, like my, my first business was probably doing like 100000 a year. Which, you know, when you're 21, you're making 100000 It's like, oh, shit, that's a lot of money. 100K but, in Memphis is a lot of money. Yeah, period. Um, so that was cool. But, you know, I had expenses. So I had all the things that I wouldn't factor in there. So I wouldn't make what I thought it was. And then um, I turned that business into another business and uh, opened the dry cleaners. And um, in opening the dry cleaners, I kind of, uh, Cannonball, the other business. So um, I kind of sacrificed one to start the other. And then after a couple of years, that one didn't really work out. So I had to close that business. So I was like, oh shit, I don't have either of these businesses now. And um, but then I started doing personal tailoring. It was like, okay, cool, shit. I don't have a shop anymore. Shit, I'm broke. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but I can, I can pull up on people. And I can just fit them there and I can take it back to my crib with alteration to get it back to them. And I was like, okay, well, shit, that kind of works. And I found out, like, damn, I can move around more. I can actually connect with more people. Um, so I made that my new way of operating. Like, I haven't had a storefront or an office since 2004. Um, Early to that game. Yeah, yeah, just like... Um, so you've been so, you know, direct to consumer the whole time. So what's that? So you've been straight direct to consumer since '04. Uh, yeah, since '04. Um, and then uh, I need to print um, 28 checks. Yeah. Uh, yeah, direct to consumer since 2004. Um, 
But, you know, again, it was like, it was the one-off stuff. So it, it, it was enough, like, you know, I was always able to make a little bit of money, but it, it was always a little bit of money. Hmm. There was never any, like, expensive money. And, um, and then uh, I got tired of that little money. I moved to New York. I was like, you know, let me try something bigger. Let me try, uh, let me get in a more competitive environment so I can become better. I was still real young in my um, mid-20s, so I was like, let's go for it. And uh, I learned a lot. And then um, the market crashed in 07, so I moved back to Memphis. Then I ended up getting custody of my daughter, who was two at the time. And so, um, so I didn't really have any money, and I'm raising a baby by myself, so. Um, things just changed. I mean, we decided like, man, this this is not working in Memphis. Let's just move. And me and my brother and my daughter, we moved to the West Coast with nothing. I had 500 bucks and moved across the country with a child with $500. Wow. And I used $300 of that in gas. So I had $200 by the time I landed in a city I'd never been to and I didn't know about it. I didn't know no one in San Diego. Um, I'd never been there before. So uh, it's just always been a hustle. I, mean, I always had this, this this innate belief that I could make something happen regardless of starting point. Um, 400. Like, I could make something happen regardless of the beginning circumstances. Hmm. And so um, I just went for it. And, you know, did that thing in San Diego for a minute, which is actually how I got turned on to doing custom, because I was just doing alterations. I actually got turned on to doing custom in San Diego, doing alterations for this rich dude on all his clothes. I'm like, man, I'm charging you three, $400 to alter these suits, and you're gladly paying this shit. How much are you paying for these suits? It's like, I don't know, $2,500, three grand? Shit. Hmm. And I was like, wait a second, bro. And they don't fit? Nah, <laughs> I got to get into custom. I'm, I'm, I'm getting a small dollar. So that experience did that for me. But it still took time. Like, I said to myself, I need to be in custom. I still didn't really make any big move in that direction. When I moved to LA, because shit just wasn't panning out um, in San Diego, I still knew that I needed to get into custom. But now I wanted to go sell clothes in Beverly Hills. So I'm knowing I need to get into custom, but I'm selling clothes Beverly Hills, so thank you so much. Thank you so much. For yeah, yeah, you guys enjoyed us. Um, and so, uh, you know, that, that experience, it, 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 it's, it's interesting, like it's all steps, you know what I'm saying? It's all a series of steps um, that take you from one way of thinking. All it is just a way of thinking. I didn't believe enough in myself to sell a $5,000 suit then, you know? When I first started selling custom, my suits were six hundred dollars. Damn, damn. Six hundred dollars when I first started selling custom. And now they're forty nine. I should have bought. I should have bought your suits at that time. Right. <laughs> now they're forty nine hundred. Uh, yes. <laughs> it's a little uh, bit of a jump. Yeah, just a little bit. You know, starting point. Starting point. Yeah. I mean, six hundred dollars. Don't don't get me wrong. That's not a. That's a bank. I mean, that's suit. a price that a lot of um. Taylor start with uh, in America too, like the ones we make in China and shit. So oh, yeah, and that's what it was. I was making my shit in China. It was just like some whatever shit, and and um, 
And yeah, man, $600. Well, guess what, bro? I had more of a headache selling a $600 suit than I did selling fucking $5,000 suit. See, that's a very that's a very important point um for people to to realize that like a lot of people want to try to sell to every client base and they tend to forget that you know <laughs> stick to what you do best you know yeah i wouldn't advise it <laughs> i mean henry mask is is i mean it caters to the public now and uh yeah. i guess dealing with that is not easy i see your like uh comments and stuff like I mean, uh, my UK company has also been selling masks to the public in UK, and uh, but it's like a 10-pound product. The level of attack or the level of like you know people think they can talk shit because they bought a 10-pound mask and like if it doesn't get delivered or it already got delivered and they don't they didn't see it, right. which happens quite a lot. <laughs> right. I'm going to report you to the authorities. I'm going to, you know, one time they reported us to the local police and the local police came and they were like, oh, these masks are cool as fuck. Can we buy you a mask? And then the whole fucking police station bought the mask from us. Wow. Yeah, I mean, like, we don't have those issues. I mean, the most that happens is someone saying, you know, I bought my mask and it's been, I just respond with your order number. Like, because I know how people are, so I put protocols in place to make sure that, like, we don't have none of that bullshit. Because uh, public perception is key. And so public perception is real shit. I'm not deleting no comments either. If someone leaves a disparaging comment, for whatever reason, I'm going to leave it there because I need you to see how that comment was handled. Whether it was mm. some real shit or some hate shit, but now we don't run away from it, you know. Like, we got a, like you said, we got a product that's for the masses now. It's not for these one, two, five, ten specific rich people. Hell no, it's the thousands of people. We want to maintain that. We got to service thousands of people with the level of customer service that makes them keep giving us their money every month. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, you know, that's one of the things that comes across when you look at, you know, the Rich Fresh brand is it's very authentic. And I think that, you know, with the Henry Mass as well, the way you're dealing with comments is authenticity, you know, and honesty. I think that uh, people see that, whether it's, you know, you have a, a little bump in the road or it's always positive, people see that authenticity and they relate to it. Yeah. I mean, look, I had, to, I had to cuss a motherfucker out the other day in the comments. Um, <laughs> because it's like it wasn't going nowhere. Like someone said something about something wasn't coming to them fast enough or whatever. And I said, cool send an email to customer service and blah, 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 blah. And they wanted to keep going. I'm like, man, apparently, apparently you got a bigger problem, Jack. What the fuck going on, bro? But like, and pe people going, you going to get that one too because it's authentic. Like, I want to help you, but I'm not going to hold your hand. I'm not going to babysit you. I got, I got bigger shit to do. I'm worried about the motherfucking, talking about some $10 mask. Like, baby, I can help you if you want to be helped. But I ain't going to just sit around talking to you all day because you ain't got shit else to do. You know, uh, one of the things that, that came across in an uh, early interview we did, actually our first guest, a gentleman, uh, a stylist named Jay Gatz, here as well, uh, was singing. Oh, yeah, that's the homie. Yeah, he was singing your praises because in, what he was saying is that, you know, I believe he called you a, a breath of fresh air or refreshing for the industry because of your, your actual technical application, the, the idea that you can actually 
design, you can cut, you can make alterations, you understand the garment where no one else in the industry does. And I was chatting with him last night. He was posting about, you know, people basically going out there saying they're original, but just copying. And uh, I, I believe he was alluding to the fact that people are copying you and uh, yeah. calling what they're doing original. It's not. <laughs> How does that make you feel, though, to know that you're, you're at a point where, like, like people in the industry look up to you they appreciate your your attention to detail your your style but everyone else is trying to copy what you're doing um feels like jordan see motherfuckers stick their tongue out and miss the dunk <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah that's that's a <laughs> that's a great one. <laughs> They always miss the dunk with their fucking tongue out. Looking silly. Just looking silly. They don't even, they don't even know what the tongue is for. They don't even know what the fuck they're doing. That's how I feel. Like, I don't feel that kind of way because, you know, I used to, but the reality is they're not affecting my market share. Like, a Rich Fresh customer knows Rich Fresh product and they're not going to accept some bullshit fake version of it. But, um, it's definitely popularizing my shit, like because people are noticing it. You know, there are, there are some companies in Africa, mm. and I mm. I went to their Instagram, and it's literally twenty seven images from my page. <laughs> they got they got my hand in and everything. You know how I, I, I put my hand in the photo and touch the garment. It's like, but people are all in the comments like, "Yo, this is rich fresh. This is," and it's like, that's why I don't care. Yeah, because that's in Africa. And there are people speaking on something that's happening in Africa and saying, that's rich, fresh. Go look over that. So it's just one of those things, man. Like, if you ain't first, if you're last, and if you're first, everybody's looking at your ass. Hmm. That's it. You know, I'm moving too fast to see who's, who's looking at it. I'm just moving, you know. What, what's your process like as far as, like, like your your design process are you are you iterating rapidly or do you sort of let a style and a aesthetic marinate with you as you develop it uh, a little bit of both you know a lot of times i'm uh, under under pressure and i've got to get something out real 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 quick mm. other times you know i get to simmer on something and let days weeks months go by and it's like oh okay now it's time for this like there's there's some shit I've, I've been thinking about for a year or more, and haven't been able to move on yet. And some things I only get in a matter of hours, and they, mm. they have to go into production. So it's like that's so that sometimes you can pull inspiration out like a couple hours and bang out a piece. Oh yeah, easily. Nice, very easy. cool. All day long. Where do you yeah. get your design inspiration from? Are there certain aspects of culture or, or something else that you look at that you pull inspiration from or or is it more organic? Uh, it's all organic, like 100%. Um, I really just look at like, you know, life scenarios, like what, what did I see at a certain point in my life? Like mm. maybe some shit that my dad wore or some colors that I had seen when I was a kid. Some I once saw in a magazine when I was a teenager. I just like pull from little things, and um, ultimately, like my whole brand aesthetic is about the shit I would wear. I'm really not concerned with what the industry is doing, the industry norms. 
I just think about like player shit. I'm a certain type of individual. I got a certain type of lifestyle. Mm. What's the type of shit that I would wear? I'm just allowing other people to tap into that same creativity and wear the shit that I would wear. So. Yeah, I'm, as a designer as well for myself, I, I often kind of take that same approach where I'm like, I'm interested in like, how would I, what would I want to use this for? How would I do this? And then right. I kind of build that around. And if it gets traction, it gets traction. Most of the time I get Jay just telling me that's stupid, do something different. Come on, Jay, you can't be a hater, bro. <laughs> Yeah, he's right. like you should use uh huddersfield fabric for this instead of this uh this thing that you have here that's what you need to do <laughs> exactly jay stop hating bro well yeah the huddersfield fabric he's he gonna say that damn huddersfield but hey that's amazing fabric bro look i don't know if, if if we ever became your number one u.s vendor but um i was you're definitely on you know, you're on top for sure yeah 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 very good very good yeah i remember man because uh Jay came out and met with me and my brother. Uh, and um, this is right when Rich Fresh was getting back off the ground. It's still in 2018. Yeah. I was literally just getting back on my feet. And we met at that spot. And um, we started, man, we've done some cool shit. We've done a lot of those half and half suits. Like, we've done some really cool shit. Like, mm. and man, this hard to feel fabric has been on, you know, Oscars, carpets, and motherfucking music videos. It's been all over the world, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, man. It, like, it was my first time in LA and uh, it was really kind of you to like sit time for a meeting because like, um, you know, I was the door to door salesman. I got disrespected all my life and like to think that one day I'd be in America and, you know, in different spots. Like, I mean, in, in that first trip, I was in Texas, in Utah, in New York and in LA. <laughs> And uh, in LA, you were the guy I wanted to meet. And uh, I just texted you on Instagram and said, yo, can we, can we meet up? I got some costs to show you. And uh, I was already high as fuck from that uh, legal weed, which I normally smoke only oh, when really? it's illegal. <laughs> oh, really? Is, is, is that what you said? Yes. You would be the first guest to uh, smoke weed live on our show. So uh, I'm waiting oh, for <laughs> Damn. Congratulations, guys. <laughs> oh, you even got it packed in the Henry mask. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, that legal California stuff. That is false weird. advertising. We do not put weed in these bags. This is a used bag. I just believe in recycling. And since I'm going to have weed, I just put it in this because I would never, ever have it in one with the mask. Rich Fresh is a sustainable <laughs> brand. He believes in reusing those bags for other purposes. Got to, man. Got yeah. to. You know, got to. <laughs> so I know like uh, Jay, Jay uh, loves tacos. Did he make you take him for tacos when he was in LA? No, 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 not, no. We, we, we were. We met um, this very fancy hotel. So yo, yeah. check it out. I'm, I'm going to tell you how I got that hotel situated. Like I'm a hustler, bro. Like I'm, I'm, you know, I learned when I was in high school how to master my aesthetic. Uh, it's just about, you know, mastering your aesthetic, like being a shapeshifter, you know what I'm saying? Like, blending blending right into any environment so i learned that shit early on like how to communicate value through the clothes and the way they fit and this the way you carry yourself when you're wearing something people don't question um if i was out dressed the way i'm dressed and a motherfucker asked me who i was i could tell them that i was the prince of something i'm the prince of somalia mm. really yeah my father is a oh my god that's amazing i love the motherfucker would believe it because i i would carry myself 
accordingly. I look like I'd be the prince or something. So, um, you know, again, like I told you, just no, not, not not if you said you're a prince of Korea. I would. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you're right. You're right. Or Ireland. Uh, black, black Irish, Black Irish, right? Like, I got so. a Japanese motherfucker. Konnichiwa. <laughs> <laughs> well, you had to post you did that. I, I found that cool. So, but I saw this hotel because, like, my brother had um, my brother stayed there way back in the day when he came uh, to town. I think we we stayed there, and it was really nice. So I was walking by one day, and I needed an iPhone. I needed to plug in my iPhone. And um, they happen to have this little restaurant. So I pull up, there's the restaurant. I'm in, I'm dressed real nice, charging up my phone. And um, just, you know, you know, I ordered something, started talking to him. And I was like, damn, it's a really nice fucking bar. Like, really off in the cut. And I was flirting with the bartender, and she told me that they have this private space upstairs. I'm like, you got to show me. So she takes me upstairs. I'm like, no one knows it's up here? She's like, no. I'm like, shit. So look, check this out. I explained to her who I was. I really hyped it up because like I said, I was just getting on my feet, so I ain't had shit. But I knew I would, so I made it sound like I did. And um, I told her that I want to start using that space to entertain clients. Because I really love for them to be more exposed to this amazing bar. And I just think that the ambiance matches my brand. So they literally let me have that space every time I came there. They had a party one, one night. They literally... They kicked dozens of motherfuckers out from upstairs to let me go up there by myself because I had already staked my claim. I never paid them a dollar for it. I never paid them a dollar for that space. But when I showed up, that was my fucking space. You know? And that's where I met you because I wanted you to have that experience. Next time, tacos. That's, that's also another... Um... Thing that someone who's listening uh, to this can take from is like if you don't have your own shop yet if you don't have your own space yet these are the kind of you know situations you need to put yourself in where you can collaborate not with others don't meet not no starbucks yeah starbucks yeah, yeah. that's true yeah jesus but yeah like you know find a mutual benefit like i'm not like yo i want to meet people up here and i want you guys to give me free food and shit and Nah, how can I be of mutual benefit to you? This is going to make me look good because this is a luxury environment. So if mm -hmm. I have unlimited and private access to this, it really communicates to my customer that I'm a luxury type motherfucker. Well, Did you, you roll it in a cigar wrap? Yeah. Interesting. I'm a real player, bro. I'm not, I'm not a fake player. <laughs> but, you know, just like, a lot of people don't do that. They don't, they don't realize how to find the mutual benefit. How can I provide a benefit to you in order to get a benefit from you? Mm. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. That's called using people. Using people is great. Misusing people is shitty. So how can you properly use a person so they also get a benefit? Like, shit, I'm going to bring people in here to spend money. Yeah. And I'll always spend money. And I'll make the place look good. And I tip really nice, 25% or more. And you know, like just little shit. So it's like, oh yeah, we don't mind. Man, it's a fucking restaurant in every major city that could use someone with nice style saying, I'd like to come in and meet some people. Hmm. 
make them more aware of the space. I think the space is so great. I'm surprised that there aren't as many people here. I'd love to bring some people by. If you don't mind, I'm going to choose Wednesdays as my day. So on Wednesday, I'm going to bring my people by here on that day. You don't, you don't mind, do you? Okay, I'm going to make sure that we sit up in that space up there on Wednesdays. You don't yeah. mind, do you? Fantastic. I bet they fucking do that shit. That's a great way to leverage, you know, just access to a space and create resource out of something that's not being utilized. Yep. Yep. Don't suck up all the value. People have a, a lot of people have the tendency of trying to extract all the value instead of add value. Mm. You know, they want to like get, I mean, and, 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 and bullshit it. Just be on some bullshit. You know what I'm saying? Like, let me bullshit and hustle this motherfucker to let me get what I want one time. No, man, if you make it real, you can, I can walk in that hotel right now and take my ass right upstairs. Right now. Like you said, you created mutual value, though. You're spending money, bringing people in, you know, tipping, you know, creating value for everyone involved, whether it's the bartender or the hotel itself. So right. it's not like you were taking and not giving back. And I think you're right. That's where a lot of people make the mistake. They just want to take, take, take and not give. Yep. And that's a losing model. But, you know, um, that's another thing that we figured out in running the business, like, just even with like certain certain customers, like the one of the big key components to how I built my brand so quickly. Because again, Rich Fresh is like two and a half years old. I started Rich Fresh in February. Uh, like I had the mindset to do it in January of 2008, but I didn't even start it until February 2008. Um, I didn't have labels in any of my clothes until the end of 2000. I mean, not eight. 2018. Mm. I didn't have a single label in any of my clothes until the end of 2018. You know what I'm saying? So it's a real fresh concept, but from the jump, I never gave anything away. Mm. I never, so all, all the celebrities that you guys see wearing the stuff paid full price. At whatever price point I was at, y'all paid full price. And um, that set a precedent that's like, okay, shit, this guy's got value. Um, which worked. But then what we found is, yeah, the people that consistently pay full price, they'll always pay full price. But if you do something small, like, hey, I know you pay full price every time and you're such a great customer. I'm going to make you a shirt. Hey, guys, y'all still there? Yeah, we're here. Yeah, yeah, we're here. Okay, hold on. Let me put this uh, charge in. Let the battery goes on the same. Um, but, uh, you know what I'm saying? It's like, if I offer them, like, a shirt or some shit, um, they might be like, oh, my God, that's really nice. I really appreciate that. Mm. You know what? I've been meaning to order some more shit. Let me, let me go ahead and, and get another order or... Let me t tell a friend about you guys. I really do appreciate that small gesture of your appreciation. Mm -hmm. Little shit like that. Like, it's little things that we've done in the business that drummed up tens of thousands of dollars instantly in value just because we extended something very small to just show someone we were thinking about you and we really do appreciate the value that you brought to us. And they turn around and get that value right back. So especially like small businesses, are always counting coins, mm. always pinching pennies. 
Um, and so I think a lot of times we can get in the habit of assuming that if we give to people, then we won't have enough. Oh, well, I would, but I got to sell it to them, man. I can't give them anything, even though they've been showing consistent value because I don't have enough. Yes, you do. And you start getting the mindset of having more than enough, you'll end up with more than enough. So like the people that bring immense value to you, show value right back. It shows them that you have plenty. And for some reason, when you show people that you have enough, they want to give you more. So weird. Yeah, I think of that, that level of customer service, like showing, and you said it best, appreciation, right? Showing the customer that you appreciate them and it, it prompts them to, to show their appreciation for you and what you've done for them as a brand. 100%. So as you're, uh, as you're getting ready to partake in your libations there, uh, Fresh, I, I think oh. the, best oh, me? Time, the best time to, to break into our 10 questions as you, as you Let's go, baby. relax. Oh, yeah. So uh, I'll start off with the first one as you, uh, as you prep it here. But, you know, in, in the industry, in the, in the menswear world, in the garment world, fabric is, is everything, right? And, or at least Jay yep. would like everyone to believe that fabric is everything. <laughs> um, but, you know, a lot, of, a lot of us argue about what, what fabrics we love, what, what we would wear, what's our favorite. But if you could only choose one, linen, wool, or cotton, which one would it be and why? It would be wool. Um, I thought about that question, you know. Um, it would be wool. For some reason, it's just more comfortable. Um, you know, I've got suits. I've got wool suits. I've got cotton trousers. I've got wool trousers. I've got cotton denim. I've got, well, I don't anymore, but I used to wear cotton denim. But I've also worn wool denim. And it just it feels more comfortable. There's so many different, I mean, there are different grades of cotton as well, but there's something more refined. Like, I've taken some of the Huddersfield fabric and made shirts out of it. Shirts with the matching pants set. And I can do a solid black, lightweight wool shirt and trouser and wool. I can turn around and do that same concept in cotton. One will look inferior to the other. I don't do inferiority. Mm-hmm. If you had silk on that list, I'd have fucking picked silk. You just had <laughs> linen, cotton, and wool. Yeah. That's a good idea. Yeah, we never ask about silk. So you would pick silk over wool, though? Um, if, I, if I can only work with one, fuck yeah. You'd wear silk every day. I'd wear silk, and I would work with silk. If I if I could only work with one fabric type, there's so much shit that you can do to silk. But silk is saying silk is like saying pearl. Yeah, it's money, baby. Period. It's true. Do you have a, a favorite wool item? Do I have a favorite men's item? Yes. I, Actually, I actually do. Absolutely. Would you like to know what it is? I would like to know what it is. Trojan man. No, I'm joking. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> is Chase smoking one with you two or he's hotboxing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's smoking one. Um, 
I've got but, my own. Yeah, yeah, we're we're not passing. Uh, even though we're brothers, but you know, Corona can't mind. pass it. COVID and shit. Uh, yeah, fuck but, passing. Honestly, it's um, mules, like mule sandals. You know what I'm saying? Like the slide-ins, like my Bottega yeah. Veneta mules. That's my favorite thing. That's my favorite men's wear item. Like, well, second favorite men's wear item. My first, I don't know. My crossbody cross is with body. me every single day. Yeah, it's like a, a, a purse for men. Because, like, you know, you got too much shit to carry around your pockets. I hate bulging pockets. Hmm. But I also don't want to carry something in my hands. Like, I don't want a fucking purse. So I got this cool thing, and it's got everything I need in it. See, for a fat guy, for a for a bigger guy, that puts the focus on the belly. Yeah. So no, nah, bro, can't, it'll it'll, it'll suck it in. It'll suppress it. <laughs> it's also like it, it operates as a girdle as well as a crossbody. I, I see that being a popular station. item now. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, um, it's an it's an easy item. You know, everyone can identify with a crossbody. Men, women, children, like everyone has a need for a small something to put their daily essentials in. Mm. So That's interesting. Yeah, the crossbody. I've seen a lot of people wearing them now. And of course in Thailand, they're, they're super popular, but essentially they just take the fanny pack and strap it across their chest. And uh, yeah. when you see them open it and everything right. falls out. Exactly. <laughs> Not these, baby. These open, nothing falls out. It's just secure. This I'm is, glad we got we, – we're, we're, we're getting unique answers right yeah. from the get-go. Like, everybody says pocket square or a tie or yeah. – both your answers are unique. So, there you Mules go. It's either that or, or a mask, uh, 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 a Henry mask. A Henry mask. <laughs> I recommend. Yeah. That's it. Because if you're wearing any other mask, it doesn't matter what clothes you're wearing. You look like a fucking doofus. If you're wearing something other than a Henry mask and you're wearing clothes, you look like a doofus wearing clothes. So – <laughs> well, I would argue for oh, the Dapper Villains mask, but I will, uh, <laughs> I, I will allow the Henry mask to be superior for this episode. It's all right. You know, I appreciate your acknowledgement. Next question is our favorite question because this one surprises us probably every single time we ask it. Is it? Oh, and by the way, what's up? By the way, I saw you sent me over the list of questions, and I started. Reading them, I only got to the first one, like, like cotton wool in. And I was like, I don't want to read these questions. because I want to be just as surprised as the motherfuckers listening to this when I give my answer. So, on that note, pick it back up, Charlie. <laughs> we didn't send the questions. What are you talking about, sir? No, no, no. These yeah, are... it's, it's... <laughs> no, it's the first um, time you're hearing these questions. This is, our, this is our favorite question. We get This one always gives us the best, at least the most surprising answers. <laughs> But so far, every one of yours has been unique. So, like, I'm excited for the whole list. Um, oh, get ready. Is it ever okay for a man to wear denim on denim on denim on denim? So the, the jeans, the denim shirt, the denim jacket, denim underwear, denim hat, all out. Do you think that's an acceptable look? Underwear, no. Everything else, absolutely. Really? Absolutely. If you do it right, if you do it wrong, it's the tackiest shit you could ever do. Me, on the other hand, I play that shit some motherfucking player. I have on a denim shirt with a denim jacket, a denim ball cap, some denim pants. I fuck up, man. I'd, I'd have on a denim crossbody. I'd fuck them up. It'd be the cleanest shit they ever seen in their life. But oh, man. I would love to I see Rich Fresh in a Canadian tuxedo. Yeah. 
Man, I would wear it out. But it's a million motherfuckers that would make you throw up in your own mouth. So how do you do it right and how do you do it wrong? I just got it like that, baby. I can't even explain it. It's just my taste level. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, Jay Z can't explain why his bars are so nice. They just come to him. I just, it's just balance. It's just like, I have this keen sense of, okay, so the high school I went to, it was a good high school, but it was rough in the sense that they checked the shit out your ass if you was dressed improper. They, they, they checked the shit out of you. There was this long hallway you had to come down. It was like a runway. It was like a fucking runway. I was going to be a fashion designer. It was groomed. It was grooming. It was a long hallway. And you got to come down this hallway first thing in the morning. And everyone's lined up on each side of this hallway. And if you come down that motherfucker and you and your shit ain't together, they're going to check you the whole way you're walking down it. And it's a shitty walk. It's like the walk of shame first, first thing in the morning. Then they're on you all day. So they're mm. checking the shit out you all day. It's terrible. I think it may happen to me one time. I slipped one time. And so I don't like that. So it made me refine my taste level. I can't put something out there that could ever get me checked. And if it does, that's from some lame motherfucker who, whose opinion doesn't matter. But people who actually matter, who have style, understand like concept and execution, they're going to all look at it and say, God damn, that, man, that Rich Fresh is a different kind of beast. Every single time. Very That's cool. I think confidence obviously has a lot to do with it, right? Like the way you carry it. Like your swagger. Absolutely. Oh, you know what? Give me something. Can you have Cat write up the checks? And I'll just come in sign. Oh, you better go that's it. I was getting ready to go to my dentist appointment. Oh, no shit. Yeah. Oh. You go over here? No, I was gonna go get the car. Okay, whatever. Yeah. Never mind, guys. I'm all right. I'm gonna. We can gonna cut that part on. So, oh, no, actually, I, if you need fine. two minutes to to clear um, your work first, you can do that. Um, no, 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 we're good. Um, I was just coordinating with Chase real quick. All right. Okay. So, in, in menswear, obviously, we all talk about style, and the, especially with suits, the style of tailoring. You know, there's a, a lot of people love British. You know tailoring and a lot of times we get surprised by people who who really like are, are hard into the british style that really structured build then there's you know there's sprezzatores like jay who love that uh, italian aesthetic you know unstructured right. really soft loose uh, i like that american kind of looser fit myself um what, what's your favorite where do you lean the uh, british style tailoring italian american something else the rich fresh aesthetic yeah, I think it's a hybrid of a lot of different things. Um, like, there are things that I took from, like, paying attention to Savarone in my early 20s and seeing, like, how they, how structured things are. But then looking at, like, Italian shoulders. Um, and then looking at, like, just even some of the American shit, which sometimes can be tacky just because it's done in, in, in the wrong way. But the concept may not have been bad. It's just... It just wasn't done by the right person. Not so right. I, I feel like, you know, I'm a, I'm a hybrid of these different things. And also like African style, like there's a lot of huge style in Africa that's very colorful. I think people sleep on, um, on African menswear and that whole 
culture of dressing, uh, which is, is really inspired, um, you know, uh, how colorful my, my brand is. And Memphis was real colorful like that. You saw, you know, pimp suits and shit. You saw pink suits and canary blue suits, canary blue, canary yellow, powder blue. You saw that shit every Sunday. So, and it was always tacky. You saw red, you saw burgundy. You see every suit color under the sun. It was always tacky. It's just because it wasn't done right. Like, damn, if it was tailored better, if it was done like this, it's not even a bad idea. It's just done in such a shitty way. Mm. So I've just been able to look at all these things that I like and the shit I don't like. You know, I don't like that, but I do like that. I don't like that, but I do like that. So I just pick and choose. I Frankenstein the shit. Um, and then I create an aesthetic that's like very specific to myself. You know what I'm saying? Where it's like, you know it. You know as soon as you see it. You know as soon as you see it. That it's, and you know it when it's not. Someone can literally take the stripes, do all this jazz, and you look at it and say, that's not a chance. That's not, that's not Rich Fresh. It's really taking the different pieces, building your aesthetic on it. Absolutely. Just, you know, I don't like copying anything. I never want someone to look at my product and say, oh, damn, man, you got your idea from this. Hmm. You, may, you may see elements of something that was inspired by something, but I'm never going to copy someone's shit. Um, you know, I'm never going to even, like, copy something that I've seen in the past. I'm always going to take it and modify it, put my spin on things. And that's what being a, a designer is about. Hmm. Sometimes it's just about, like, looking at something and knowing how to modify it and make it better. Yeah. I do. I mean, I, I am in the same industry, so I do see a lot of people trying to copy you. But I, I do feel sorry for them. Like, I feel like they're going through something where they can't really find themselves yet. And they're desperate. So they feel that, you know, your stuff works. Uh, they were hating on it before. And now they see your stuff works. So they copy it, which makes me feel sad for them. But what do you what do you think about like the, you know, when when you're in desperate times. Um, I still think you, you still think sh you should still be original even yeah. at desperate times, right? Like even if you see something that's else. That's you should be your most original. That's, that's generally when, you know what? Most songwriters write their best song in moments of desperation. Not when they're like feet kicked up. No, it's when you ain't got shit to, to, to pull on. You ain't got no more straws to pull. You got to get in your bag and come up with something. And I, I feel sorry for them too because like designer, for instance, you guys know the rapper designer? Yeah, of course. Panda, 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 Panda. I got problems yeah. in Atlanta. Okay. When Panda first came out, we all thought it was Future. We all thought like, damn, Future got another hit. Because it <laughs> sounds just like Future. And everyone said, damn, it's the new Future. Damn, this is baby Future. Damn, he sounds just like Future. Damn, this is Future. Damn. And he made a little lick off of it because, you know, it was weird how motherfucking sounds just like Future. But the problem is, it never set him up to be an original him. It set him up to be a fake somebody else. Yeah. His whole career now is built on him being a fake Future. So he can never have the same value as the thing that he's a replica of. Hmm. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. A replica can never hold the same value as the original. So if you're building your house on quicksand, replicating my model that's built on a firm foundation, 
you didn't take the time to build your foundation. Mm. You devalued yourself by default and you'll never, you'll never be able to, someone will never be able to pull themselves out of a devalued position copying mm. my shit or anyone else's shit. Yeah, I think the analogy with designer and future is a good one too, because like you said, when you're your most desperate, you need to be original. You know, future came out of uh, the dungeon over in Atlanta. And he was, he said early on, like you couldn't be on anyone else's track if you sounded like anyone else in dungeon, right? Like you had to sound unique. And like, if you look at who was in dungeon, like, you know, you had goody mob, you had, uh, you know, um, outcast, like, all the, right. Yeah. So, so what else could he do but mumble on the track and sound unique? And then it, it sounded good. And now you have all these people, mumble rappers, biting it. But what it did is, Future is the king. Yeah. In that space, Future is the king. Why? Yeah. Because yeah. he's what everyone, Future and Young Thug, Future and Thug are the king because that's what everyone's mimicking. So you can't, man, look, LeBron, is a spectacular ball player. Phenomenal. Spectacular. Spectacular. He might be one of the best to ever do it. But I'll tell you something. I don't believe he'll ever be able to surpass Jordan. And I'll tell you why. Because he wears Jordan's number on his back. Mm. That's interesting. That's a good way to put it. You know, when you talk about copying... You know, I think about, uh, we had Justin Hunt, a hip-hop journalist on the show earlier, and he had a video maybe a couple of years ago that was uh, titled Copy Like an Artist, you know, talking about, you know, if you copy something, right, you don't just, or steal, it's called steal like an artist. So if you steal something, inspiration from someone else, you have to make it your own. You don't just take it and copy it. You take All it right. and you make it something new. Right. And that's how an artist steals work. They, they take inspiration, they, they bring it and they elevate it versus everyone who just copies. Right. So it's right. the difference between stealing and copying if, is if you're elevating it to something different. And, uh, you know, so I was thinking when Jay was talking about all these people copying Rich Fresh who were hating on you earlier and now they're like, oh, it's working. I better just take exactly what he did. But it doesn't have the soul. Right. Does it? Because, you know, it only worked. Because it didn't work. Like yeah. when I did everything that I've done, when I started doing colorful suits in LA, people told me it wouldn't work. Because mm. surprisingly, no one was wearing colorful suits in LA. It was all gray and blue. Mm. So I showed up with pink suits, green suits. They're like, what the fuck is that? I'm like, yo, this is a wave. Like, dude, people don't even wear suits in LA, dude. What the fuck's wrong with you? And if they do wear suits, they're not gonna wear a fucking pink one. I'm like, yeah, they will. They just have to see it enough. Mm. And eventually they said, hey, we don't know where to get those colorful suits, but we see this guy with the colorful suit. Then when I started doing the track stripes, people told me it was a bad idea not to put track stripes on suits. That people didn't want to, they're not going to want to fuse those two together. They're going to keep those concepts separate. I was like, fuck you, you know what the fuck you're talking about. But I said I was going to do the yellow tab. I had motherfuckers tell me that's not a good idea. People aren't going to just want that dangling on their shit. Like, that's the yellow tab like was it. the biggest one that everybody kind of hated on. Oh, they hated now on they all like, want to do it. Now they all want to do it. People are copying it. My price point. You know, you shouldn't price your shit so expensive because you, you won't be able to sell as much. Great. You don't understand the strategy, the mindset behind wave. 
So now that I've done all these things that were challenges and I had to overcome all these things to become a thing that never existed, copying that is like, like you said, you can't get the soul because I have the soul of an underdog because I had to do underdog shit. Like I've had to do grimy, not grimy, but like I've had to endure some grimy shit in order to get to this position. That's why you can't beat me. So anybody that's coming to copy me, your 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 vantage point is off. You know? You can't possibly. Dude, there's there are many things you paved the way for in the industry alone, right? Okay, so becoming accustomed but also with large brand values where you know there's branding clearly a lot of customs custom clothing a lot of them are just service industry where they let clients tell them what they want oh you want this custom shirt you want the word power on your monogram on the shirt they'll do anything they'll whore out because they're they're just servants they're not the designer they want to serve people and they forget who they are so you started this this um you brought it back to like the brand concept and that's probably the years you worked in Xenia and seeing that, you know, you can do a lot with having a strong brand identity, you know, smoking weed on camera, um, doing the drip, calling yourself drip, drip God, uh, you know, colorful hair, uh, the balls you have to, to do, to be yourself. A lot of people can't do that, right? If they're in custom suits, they got to dress a certain way, act a certain way, um, so there are a lot of things you paved the way for you open it up and you know there there are things that i think you know i i do want to see people copy you in that sense where the industry Absolutely. is not so fucking stiff and pretentious all the time mm. i mean um even podcasts right like i think we're the only ones that says fuck or or like let people really be i mean yeah. all the other podcasts are like hi i'm here to talk to you about sartorial clothing and shit like that um so so yeah there, there are things that you open the way for period and uh i think we're also I the only podcast wish... that we rock t-shirts on our show everyone else <laughs> is rocking a three-piece <laughs> i do wish to see more people copy you to be honest mm. i do i do but there there's certain um like without Richard Pryor, Eddie Murphy wouldn't have been the greatest stand-up comedian. Absolutely. But, but they have to take it and evolve it, right? So if there's someone who's seeing you, they're in that deadlock and they want to copy you, um, what element do you see that uh, could be the first thing to pick up? And you would the be mindset. fine with it. Like, you know, I, I encourage people to, to pick up the mindset. Like, it's not the thing. You can't copy the thing properly. It's not a sustaining model. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. that's why, again, I don't trip when people copy something because you can only do it for so long. It's not a sustainable model. I can do this for everything. Mm. You can't. You'll only be able to do it until you find an aesthetic. So it's not a sustainable model. I encourage people to like copy the mindset, copy like the desire to be so different that you're almost ostracized. You know, um, I used to read a lot of books. Actually, no, I used to listen to a lot of audiobooks. Uh, and Grant Cardone, I, I remember listening to one of his. And I was struggling, you know, and this guy's story was fascinating. And um, something that he said is like the, the concept of competition. And um, he was like, you know, I don't compete. He kept saying, I don't compete, baby, I dominate. And I was like, that's the cockiest shit I've ever heard in my life. What the fuck mm -hmm. does that mean? Mm -hmm. And he kept saying, I don't compete, baby, I dominate. I don't compete i ain't got no competition baby 
competition is for losers. I'll tell you why. Anyone who goes and competes with someone, there's a chance you can lose. In any competition, there's a chance you can lose. You can be the best ball team on the planet. If you're competing with someone, there's a chance you're going to lose. But if you're playing an elementary team and your NBA team, you will dominate. You'll never lose. And I was like, that's also the cockiest shit I've ever heard. But it made sense. Like, huh. I'm fucking up because I'm trying to compete in areas where I can't possibly compete. These motherfuckers got storefronts. I don't have the money to get no storefront. Or I didn't. You know, these motherfuckers got, you know, a team or this or they're familiar in this city. I don't have any, or I'm an introvert. I don't like being around people. I don't like mm. knocking on doors, passing out a card. I don't have any business card because that's just not, it doesn't work with my energy consistently. So I was like, okay, fuck it. Let's, let's do something different. Let's find out how can we dominate. Let's look around. Let's see what the market looks like. Everyone looks the same. Every fucking tailor looks the same. He's clean cut. He might have a beard. He probably has a beard. Um, he's wearing a tie, guaranteed. Pocket square, the whole nine. Socks, hard bottom shoes, lace ups. He doesn't really look comfortable. He doesn't really look cool. He just looks like he makes suits. Um, I don't want to compete with those guys. Let me let me find a way to do this. So I can still communicate value, but I can do it in a way that no one else can even fucking play with. You won't even tiptoe over here in this pool because it's so out of the box for you. You'll just stay over in your space and then I can just run a muck over here and create this whole concept that never existed. So I, so I was like, okay, I'm never going to wear ties again. So I took my ties off. I stopped wearing pocket squares. I stopped wearing socks. I don't own a lace up dress shoe. I only wear slippers, loafers and shit, real player shit. Um, I started putting my hand up over my face in every photo. That's how it all like really got kicked off. Um, and then just like my model, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm only gonna exist really on social media, on Instagram. I'm not gonna have any business cards. I'm not gonna do this. I'm gonna be very hard to get in contact with. And I started doing things that I saw no one around. I started smoking weed on camera. I started cussing a lot on camera. I started doing whatever the fuck I knew. These other guys can't do this because it goes against their model. What's happening is I'm the only person making noise in this entire room. Everyone else is quiet because everyone is doing the same thing. It's a buzz. It's a buzz. And I'm not one, woo hoo hoo, woo hoo. I'm hooping and hollering when motherfuckers is buzzing. Everyone's like, who the fuck is over there hooping and hollering? Oh shit, that guy's different. And no one can compete with him because of how differently he's doing his shit. They can't even catch up. He's a fucking enigma. Like, he's really on his own wave. And people gravitated to that. And so that's what I would encourage people to do. Find areas that you can dominate in and do that shit like no one else can do. If you're really good at, like, you know, man, you know, no one's really making suits for kids. It's custom suits for kids hey, you know what? Let me like do that shit, but dominate that shit. Like only do like dominate, eat that shit up. Like you're the person, the go-to source of that shit. Guess what'll happen? You're the only person making noise. You know, like just find ways to operate. If you're in an environment where everyone around you has black hair, dye your hair a different color. If everyone has facial hair, cut yours off. If no one has tattoos, get some. You know what I'm saying? Like be different. Be okay with being different. People are so quick to conform because they see what resembles success in others and they say well let me look just like that and i'll have that 
No. You look just like that. You just got lost in the sea of that. You didn't even give yourself a chance. Mm. You didn't give yourself a fucking chance. There's a guy, Grayscale, you know, like he's a designer. I like what he's been able to do, you know. At first, um, it looked like he was copying my concept and people started, you know, saying things and looking and shit. But he figured out an aesthetic. And now he has something that he does that is unique to his brand. Like, and he can do custom suits. And he has something that now people can look at and they say, that's a grayscale. Or people can, can Instagram me and DM me and say, hey man, is this one of yours? I saw Dwayne Wade wearing this on his thing. Is this one of yours? And I can look at it and I say, no, I guarantee you that's grayscale. No, his stripe is different. He has one stripe going down the front, but it's very symmetrical. It lines up perfectly. That's not something I do. That's significantly and specifically hmm. his. You know, so I love how he's been able to do that. Um, you know, Musica Ferreira, I know they get a lot of flack and people say like, you know, they're not necessarily original, but what they did was they took the Tom Ford model and they modernized it. They took the Tom Ford silhouette and said, what if we made Tom Ford for guys who are younger? Because Tom Ford's silhouette is not for guys in their 20s. It's so for guys in their 40s. Um, and they said, what if we could take this and modernize it and add different colors and just make it a bit sexier? And so they did something that you actually see. If you see Jay-Z wearing a Frere suit, because it's yeah. Frere now, you know, if you see him wearing a Frere suit, you know right off the bat whether it's Tom Ford, Givenchy, or Frere. You'll be able to look and say, no, that, that's Frere. And he didn't even do any, like, the symbolic things, but he's got a certain cut, and it's the same consistent cut throughout. You know, Tom Ford did the same thing. You can look at the Tom Ford lapel and say, that's Tom Ford. You can look at his buttonholes, and you notice that longer one at the very bottom. You say, that's a Tom Ford garment, you know. Hmm. So... That's just key here. If you want to have lasting value, you've got to find that is uniquely yours. And even if it's weird, make people get used to it. And now she's so it. Lady Gaga was so weird when she came out. Now she's so it. Everything was so weird when it comes out until it's so it. The iPhone was weird as fuck when it came out. Now it's so it. Hmm. It's because you do it consistently enough, every product will find its market. If you do it consistently enough, every product will find its market and then you can build. All I did was build a cult following around my ideals and aesthetic around clothes. This is what I think men should dress like. More player shit, more fun. And I built a cult following around that. That's all people have to do. It's a lot to take in. We had a, that's an amazing stream of consciousness right there. I appreciate well, it. I mean... I'm high listening to you, man. Like, this right? is like Tony Robbins shit. Like, uh, there's no shouting, but it's like so much fucking wisdom in, in one package. Look, I can do that, Tony Robbins. No, yeah. I can do that, you know, because all you have to do is just... <laughs> I be talking like a motherfucker on stage. <laughs> you just need to be like seven feet tall. Bro, I used to listen to Tony Robbins. I've been listening to Tony Robbins since I was 16 years old, yeah. religiously. My dad was uh, in sales, 
And he was always like a business person. He always wanted to be, he always wanted to be an entrepreneur. So he, he always had the tools around. He never really got any real traction in becoming an entrepreneur, but I saw the drive and I saw the tools and I would listen to Tony Robbins and just hear him speak. And so, you know, my mind started changing early on. Like I've got a, I've got a leg up on a lot of people because I consumed a lot of information from a very young age that just structured the way I see my possibilities and my potential. I have a limitless potential, you know, and I think people can hear it now in my voice because I'm very confident. It's not cocky. It's confident because I cocky is like cocky is talking shit with the potential of disappointment. Hmm. confidence is knowing without fail. I can do that backflip every time. That's interesting. You know what I'm saying? Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have a, you have a favorite accessory that you like to wear? Something that is personal to you? The bandana. Mm. Yeah, bandana. I always, I always wear a headwrap. I mean, this and this ring, this is my father's ring. Um, he was a number one sales, like he was a number one in sales consistently. Uh, he sold pharmaceuticals for his company Astra. He was always number one. He was just the baddest motherfucker. He was just, he had to be the best. And, um, I kind of have that thing, like in my space, I'm driven. I just have a passion to be remembered mm. as like the, the best, like this motherfucker made people want to become tailors. Mm. Nobody wanted to be a tailor when I was coming up. I want to be a tailor so bad. And they were like, why the fuck do you want to? That's just so stupid. I was like, are you kidding me? It's the dopest shit ever. It's just motherfuckers haven't figured out how to get rich. I didn't know any rich tailors. Hmm. It was like, yo, I'm going to crack this code one day. Because there are kids out here who don't know what they're going to do. And you don't have the advantage of a... Yeah, they don't have the advantage of a jump shot or, you know, a singing voice or a rapping voice. So like, what can they do? You know, I, I mean, I want to create an academy. I want to teach people and train people the confidence and the mindset to go out and just build a market. Like, you know, but that comes from, from this, just like I have this internal drive to just really put my stamp in this, in this industry. So that ring, that's your, was that like an award to your dad for being like the top sales guy or? Is that what that is? Yes, sir. Yeah, four four years, four years in a row. Wow. Three, four years in a row. Really personal, really like, yeah. And I think that's one of the things like, with an accessory. That's something that sets sets it apart for a lot of guys. And we hear that a lot is that personal connection to something. Yeah. Yeah. So I know you're. The, then, you know, like the head wrap. The drip guy, you know, drip I, don't, guy. I don't want to take someone else. Someone else might be the drip king. I don't want to take theirs. <laughs> I'm the drip guy. Um, but yeah, the head wrap um, is personal too. You know, it's, uh, you know, I started doing it because my hair started getting too big <laughs> and I didn't want to cut my hair. And so I started wearing this to kind of tame it on the side. And I like how my hair would kind of operate on top. And, um, I'm a, I'm a fan of Nipsey Hussle. I'm a big fan of Nipsey Hussle. Who's not? Of him as a, 
as a rapper, but him, like his ideology. Mm. Um, and uh, his ideology is one of the reasons why when I came out with my track pants in 2018, um, I was selling them for a thousand dollars a pair. Uh, and people were like, you selling track pants for a thousand dollars? Like, yeah, he's like, no one's going to fucking spend a thousand dollars on some goddamn track pants. I was like, yeah, they will. Why? I was like, bro, Nipsey Hussle sold $100 mixtapes, bro. $100 mixtapes. Well, motherfuckers couldn't sell $10 mixtapes. He was selling $100 mixtape because he believed in the value of his product. Yeah. And guess what happened? They bought those fucking mixtapes. So don't you tell me what the fuck I can't do. I've already seen an example of it. I just have to be exceptional in comparison. That's all. And then, you know, after he was killed, um, I just really started like looking at books that he had suggested reading that he had read. And a lot of those books have really impacted me. And, you know, I was already, I was already wearing this scarf. Actually, my hair was already braided. Like I started French braiding my hair. My mom came over one day. She came over on New Year's and braided my hair up. And I was like, oh, I've never had my hair braided. Okay, cool. Fuck it. Let's go for it. And, um, I just kept my hair braided and I kept the rag on for about a year after he was killed. Um, just like a symbol of, um, I interpreted the message, you know what I'm saying? Just like tell the universe, I, I interpreted the message. Thank you for sending the messenger. You know what I'm saying? That's how we should. So now I still wear it. It's just, it's, 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 it's part of my vibe, but it's still, it's, it's a tribute to, um, it's a tribute to the philosophy of, uh, of Armius, King Armius, Nipsey Hussle. Mm. Yeah, it was definitely, uh, his passing was definitely a loss for, I think for hip hop, but also like his community. He was so community driven, you know, and like really wanted to take ownership in his community. And I think that was, uh, Absolutely. was a powerful, he was a powerful individual in a lot of ways, I think were overlooked while he was alive. Oh yeah, and you know, just the philosophy of like all money in, like, own your own shit so you don't have yeah. to ask somebody permission. You don't have to go to a label and beg them to see your value. Like, <clears throat> I didn't have the benefit of investors throughout this entire process. I don't have any investors. I don't have anyone that I went to and asked them for money mm. and waiting for them to give me, you know, I did that shit in the past when I was young and I always got disappointed. So I was like, man, fuck it. I'm just going to double up. If I make, if I make a thousand, I'm going to put that money back in and try and flip that a thousand to 2,000. Let me flip this 2,000 to 4,000. It's four to eight. Let me build some shit on my own back. Let me get vertically integrated. So I have my own operation. I bought my own factory. Like, so I don't have to go and ask somebody to produce my shit. I own the factory. Mm. I own my means of doing, I got to feed my family off this shit. I can't have that at the whim of someone else. Yeah. And like seeing his ability to like become still on a song with like Khaled and John Legend independent yeah out his trunk because he said he fucking wanted to and i'm just like he did that in music i haven't seen anyone do that in fashion mm. i'm gonna do that shit in fashion fuck it i'm gonna get to 100 million on my own two feet if, if that's what it takes nice it's the way to do it man so yeah. drip god right a lot of times we think of the drip we think of the watches i know jay's becoming more right. of a watch guy you know, spending big bucks on uh, wrist wrist adornment. 
Where, it's fancy, uh, yeah. I'm over here with my like uh, $200 Apple Watch being pretty happy. But um, do, do you fuck with the watch game at all? Yeah, I um, <clears throat> I do. I'm actually I'm I'm looking to get my first watch. You know, I want to get um, you know, cool, cool, uh, cool little timepiece. You know what I'm saying? Some, some, some small. I won't, I won't really speak on it until I got it. I'm gonna show that thing off. All right. How I think I start seeing you sharing it on stories uh, quite a bit. Like, you, yeah. you, you're show, you're sharing some some of your ambitions for sure. But um, well, yeah, is it a know, like, No, it's not a protect. Um, <clears throat> you know, I put little drops out because they always come back. You know, once I put something into the universe, it always comes back. So once I say I want something, I end up getting it. And I know why I want this. It's symbolic. And so once I get that, then it's going to open up a doorway to the next thing. Um, and that's kind of what life is about for me, man. It's just about, like, wanting more and constantly getting things, like accomplishing goals, getting the milestones, building, getting more, not being complacent. I got, you know, two miles of varieties. I had one Maserati, and I was like, get another Maserati. Got another Maserati. I'm going to get another car in a few months, too. Just because I'm just going to keep doing these things because it keeps pushing me to do more and get that watch. Because then it opens me up to get what's the next thing that I want. And and it's going to drive me to build my business a different way in order to attain that. Mm. You know, All this is, is is just aspiration. I'm a person that just aspires a lot. I have Amazing ambition. Doesn't make a lot of sense to a lot of people. And was just like willing to do whatever it took to get to that point. But if I have the ambition, if I have the drive, I more than likely wouldn't be at my current trajectory. All right. I, I have something I've been waiting to do live on camera with you, Fresh. So, um, Dana, go to Are you gonna take your shirt off? Are we going to do a <laughs> no. fuck Monday? Oh my goodness, let's go, let's go, let's go. I want to see this jacket. Let's go, baby. All right, on count of three. Go to, go to, go to Rich Fresh Instagram and uh, Dana, you, you do it. Go to Rich Fresh's Instagram. Okay. And um, on the highlights, the one where he's laughing a lot, the one with the emoji that he's laughing his ass off yeah. on the third one. All right, read that question to him. Fresh, I need to see your face for this, man. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I mean, I just want to... Uh, <laughs> okay, boom. Here we go. All, All right, right, talk to me, baby. All right. All right. Now, Dana, you asked that question to him. All right. What's your cloth of choice if I want to make a yellow marigold suit in wool? <laughs> <laughs> Bro, oh my God. I was, man, I could not control myself. I could not control myself. I was hysterical. I laughed for 20 minutes. <laughs> 20 fucking minutes. I, I thought I was going to pass out. I couldn't fucking breathe. Like, I was off so much water weight from crying. I just was like, what the fuck did I just read? <laughs> what All right, can, can I tell you something funny? <laughs> I was the one who asked that question. <laughs> Man, that was the dumbest fucking question I ever read about life. <laughs> what in the fuck did I just read? 
<laughs> and let me tell you the intention. And dude, like, okay, first of all, the question space is so little that, that you know, it blocks it, right? So second, I wanted to know whether John Legend was wearing my fabrics or some of something else. So that's why I said, if it oh, was yeah. in wool specifically, I wanted you to say fucking English or Huddersfield or something like that. What mill? I know, but like that would have taken that would have been too specific. What's your of choice? <laughs> if you want to pick a marigold suit in wool, I was like, ding, 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 and W the This motherfucker right here gets the give me that hat. Give me this motherfucker. The mantle. Get him motherfucker. All that shit. Give him a goodie bag. Shit. It could have been like either Italian or English or you know, just, that's not what you asked me. <laughs> that's what you asked me. Yeah, I've been meaning to tell you it was me. <laughs> I used a different account though, so <laughs> man. <laughs> when, I, when I saw you laughing, I was going to text you. And I was like, no, it's, you know, I'm, I'm going to leave it until we meet in person. Bro, I almost passed out, man. You could have me rush to the hospital on that bullshit. Bro. And then when I saw him on a fucking permanent highlight. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> That's the dumbest person ever. Classic J. Classic J. Oh, I can take it. Oh my god! <laughs> so yeah, what would be your cloth of choice <laughs> in, in a very cold yellow? <laughs> in wool, uh, <laughs> it would be uh, it would be honestly, I, I would have two choices. Um, I would have Huddersfield and I would have Skabal. Um, Skabal, honestly, it's 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 not it's not much of a difference in terms of the texture and the weight like i love the weight of the huddersfield fabric um i just got some real oh yeah yeah that's the one i just we we just got some rich clients they just want some really like baller shit yeah um so every now and then they're like hey oh yeah yeah no i got you baby but yeah like john legend he loves huddersfield like all those suits all those suits we did for john all the solid ones, all the pattern ones, Hutters. You know, like, oh my God. Yeah, um, Lena, Lena Waith. Yeah. Like, it's so much Hutters. You know, like the cloth, the weight of it is just right. Like, I've done so many of those um, leisure sets where the shirt and the pant match, that's Hutters cloth. Yeah, I don't think anybody has ever done that. Like, with the pinnacle lightweight wool, and uh, yeah. I don't think anybody has ever done that. And See, like, that's where it's, like, I want to ask you, like, the aspects of where copying Rich Fresh is okay, because, like, you create shit, and it's it's right. so easy, I mean, it's not easy to copy, I'm not saying that it's easy to copy, but it's, it's, it makes people want to copy, because, because they never thought of that shit, right. so I guess, you know, the question, the, the answer you gave earlier about, like, defining themselves, like, the shirt set, okay, that's an idea, right, but the way to right. do it, you can still make it your own. And do it. Take inspiration Absolutely. from it. Like I know a guy here. Uh, this cat named Thrash. You know, Thrash started doing leisure sets with the mm -hmm. top and bottom 
match. However, his aesthetic is large tartan plaids. Mm. Period. He doesn't do pinstripes. He doesn't do solid. He does large tartan plaids. So he's crafted his own niche inspired by what perhaps he's seen me do, but he crafted his own lane in doing so. You know, as opposed to someone saying, damn, he's doing that and putting a yellow tab. So let me just do the exact thing or let me just do it without the yellow tab. Like, just do it a variation because now I'm not going to do it the way Thrash did it. I like the way he did it. I'm like, nah, I like that that's his aesthetic. I think that that's dope. Since he's crafted that as his aesthetic, I'm an artist. I respect his art. Hmm. I'm gonna let him do that thing. That's his. You know. You have a style icon you look up to, like someone like who's just super inspiring to you from a style perspective. Um. Um. It's gonna sound weird, but uh. No. Um, Yourself? You know, yeah, like, I, ideas, like, not even myself, because I look at myself all the time, like, man, I got to dress better. I need to do better. But, like, um, my dad used to dress a certain way when he was in his 20s. Mm. That changed when he got to his 30s because he took on a different, like, way of living, family man and shit. Mm -hmm. But when he was in his 20s, he dressed a certain way. It was, like, real player. It was, like, real like real player mm. but that was like the norm everyone kind of dressed like that but it's just his just seemed together a bit different um my brother chase like he put shit together in a real bold way shit like i i used to say i could never do that like he used to dye his hair blonde in high school I was like i could never do that and i always saw him do real bold things um and i was like i could never do that but seeing an example of it like yeah, i could I would just do it this way. Um, and then like, just ideas of myself, like if I was crafting the character of Fresh, and he could be like, whoever I wanted him to be. And I wanted him to be like, you know, freshest motherfucker on the planet. What would that look like? What, what would he have to wear for everyone around him to just be utterly astounded? Be like, oh my God. This is the first motherfucker I've ever seen in my life. And I just, like, visualize shit like that. Mm. And I use that as sort of my compass. Like, you know, what would I want to evolve into? It's not me. Like, I don't think I'm, per se, my style icon, because I just wear my clothes. But the idea of what I can become is my – that's that's the thing that I look to. Okay. When you say real player, like your dad's in, in his 20s, like the dress, um, what, what, what do you mean by that? Like suits like, or uh, just he anything he wore, anything he wore. If it was a suit, if it was a vest and a shirt, if it was a t-shirt, it's just like he wore a t-shirt, but he had the chain outside and the t-shirt cut a certain way and he had it tucked in his pants, but his pants had a certain type of belt loop or tie on the side and the shoes he was wearing was like, it was all cool like god damn your shit was cool like, you just dressed so fucking cool it's but fun. yeah it was like it was like a really like man you had really good style so i just like you know i would always find little pictures and stuff like man, cool or even thinking like how would he have done this in his 20s hmm. you know 
I've seen pictures where my dad with like a scarf tied around his neck. You know, at one point I tried that. It didn't really work for me because I'm I'm too skinny. It just it looked weird. He was beefier. But having it around my head is just that is that extra little flair. Like I don't mind making you look at me. I'm worth looking at. Mm. You know, mm. so, little shit like that. Nice. I like it. I don't mind that you're looking at me. I'm worth looking at. Yeah. Yeah, man. I love that your dad's such a big inspiration on on your vision. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Huge. On a daily basis, how how formal you think a guy should dress? You know, to match his environment. I mean, you know, if you're in a formal environment, majority <laughs> of your day, then you should suit that environment. How and flair should you throw into you know, that? Uh, I mean, again, you know, like you gotta, you know, flair for one is not flair for all. Mm. Um, Woo! Flair is very, very turned up. Um, and so I'm really good with that with my clients. Like, I don't dress my clients like me. I dress my clients like them if they had the confidence to dress a certain way. Mm. But not like me. Like, if I were to turn them up, if I was them, and I would have turned that shit up. How would I wear it that it looks good on them and it fits their personality? Oh, I'd do it this way. I wouldn't do this color. I'd do this color. Mm. You know, let me let me let me make it suit this individual. And uh, um, you know, I don't know. You just gotta step outside of it and not try to. Make everyone a carbon copy of yourself. Um, you know, allow people to still be individuals. Mm. With a touch of inspiration. Not everyone's turning it up to 11. Some people are very happy at a six, you know? That's what you're saying? Yeah. But, like, I know guys that wear suits all day long. Like, they're going to wear it to work. When they leave work, they're going to wear it out socially. When they get home... They might slip into a fucking robe of some sort and keep their some type of trouser on and a slipper. Like I know guys who are formal like that, and it's just because that's the way they want to live. They want to live in a certain regal manner. I know guys that wear t-shirts and jeans and t-shirts and sweats all day, you know, and couldn't really convince them to change that up. Hmm. Uh, but you know, you you've styled a lot of celebrities, um, legendary names and stuff. But um, do you have like a bucket list celebrity you want to style? That uh, oh, oh man, he's so fly, man. He's like his swagger, his confidence, and everything. Man, I love Obama. Yeah, 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 and you know, I'm not a stylist, so I don't want to style him. I want to, I want to create garments for him. Like I want to have a vision. And wrap those garments around it. I would would like you do something very different? Would you put a yellow tab? On? Yellow tab for sure, but on everything, um, maybe. <laughs> what would be the color? I don't know. You know, it just depends on who he is at that time. You know, whoever he is at that time, that's who I'm going to address. Depends on the moment. Depends on the what's going on. Depends on who he is. Like, you know, he doesn't have to wear navy suits every day. You know, yeah. I, I like that. Because 
it's adaptability to the situation to to him at that moment it's not you don't have a, a canned answer that's cool no yeah i think a lot of people would be like oh i'd put him in a navy with a uh with this shirt and you know very canned and you're like depends on the moment no, i'm gonna have a conversation with him i'm gonna interview him i'm gonna figure out who he is and it'll come to me now i know you already said you don't rock a tie, right? We always ask people if they tie or no tie, but you said you gave that up. All right, I gave that up. <laughs> nothing, nothing on the neck. Um, gold chain, gold chain. Yeah, several. You know, I'm just gonna get more. It's too much going on to have to have on a necktie. You know, it's just crowding the space. <laughs> I hear you. You um, do you have any movie cat like? You ever go to the movies, you see a character, you're just like, damn, their style's like on point. Do you have like a character in mind, like when you think of style? Ryan Gosling and um Crazy Stupid Love. Okay. Yeah. What why what made that character stand out to you, style wise? His shit was on point. Yeah. He wore a burgundy three piece suit. Um every single look was like on point. Um, another one is uh, Ocean's Eleven, the very first one. Mm -hmm. um, Brad Pitt's character. Um, yeah, he kind of had that formal, casual aesthetic. Yeah, it was like, I don't give a fuck. I'm just so cocky and I'm just who I am, you know what I'm saying? I'm just like hair disheveled and shit. Things like that, like you don't have to conform. You can, you can be a non-conformist and, and really win, and be comfortable. I don't want to conform and be uncomfortable, in order to win. I'd rather find a way to win by being comfortable. Then I can always do that, and I'll never be uncomfortable. That's, yeah, it's interesting. I think a lot of people are afraid to step out of that that box of conformity, right? Because it's dangerous or it's scary. Yeah. You know, it's dangerous, it's scary, man, but like, um, that's that's where the magic comes from, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think people also tend to forget that comfort gives you confidence and like sometimes they overdo it and they don't, they lose all the comfort and that's when you're not, you know, fucking confident about what you're wearing anymore if you're not comfortable in what you're wearing. Yeah. People got to turn their head, they got to say, that's different. Someone's going to snicker at it. <laughs> His pants are short. Hey, bro, you flooding. Uh-huh. <laughs> High waters. Okay. Like, <laughs> he's got a yellow suit on. Okay. It's funny. I know yellow, exactly what I'm doing. Like, yellow can be a dope color. Like, there's so many hues and shades. I mean, and I, you were talking about, like, when you were in Memphis, like, you'd see yellow suits and they were tacky as fuck. Right, and it, it's the little things that make something like that go from tacky as fuck to wow. Absolutely, yeah. Um, it's just you know color, all this shit. Like everyone can wear every color. It's just what shade. You could wear yellow. You just can't wear bright yellow. You could wear a deep mustard yellow. Mm. You would just need to break it up. By the time 
the lapel hits this separation, you need to break that up with some tone of more than likely uh, blue, hmm. possibly an olive, you know, um, but it needs to be a deeper tone. You're good to go. If you put white with it, hmm. terrible. If you put something tonal or tan or pink, fucking terrible. You can wear yellow every single day of the week. Hmm. You know? Wow. Um, and so, so could Jay. And so could I. It's just knowing, like, the color balance. Hmm. And then knowing, like, how far you can take something with some people. Like, some people you can take very, very, very far. And you can make the most outlandish shit you can think of. Some people... You'll run them away as customers trying to do that shit. You yeah. got to be able to like gauge who you're dealing with. Yeah, I think you know that understanding of color theory and like like real like what fits and, and how to match it and and break it up is, you know, a lot of people don't get that and they'll buy like that bright yellow suit and they'll throw it on with a white shirt and it's like boom, blown out. Foolishness. Foolishness. So. Um, yeah, you know, it's just like, I don't know. Um, it's not a gift that everybody has, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, they're, just because you're just because you're doing the thing, I mean, that you're good at it or that you're even supposed to be doing it. Yeah. Some people are just doing it just because they're doing it. Like, I'm supposed to be doing this. Like, it's just the way my brain works. Um, some people don't look at color that way. They just pick a color and put it on someone. Oh, you look great in this color. Oh, I love this color. This is my favorite color. You should get a suit. And they put it on. It's like, oh, my God. Are you fucking kidding me? Hmm. Are you fucking kidding me? That's disgusting. It looks terrible. But they're not able to see it because, like, that's not the way that their eye is trained to see things. I can see this shit before. I can see this shit on you before I even have the fabric in my hands. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? I can, I can already see the colors on you and what would work and what wouldn't work. That's just the way my brain works, you know? I know you said you, you dropped out of university, you know, were you studying design or something else completely? No, um, I, I, I didn't want to go to college at all because I wanted to study design, mm. but my parents didn't want me to go to fashion school. So I went to the university. I had to declare architecture as my major, mm. but I was rebelling against it. And I said, I'm not going to take any architecture courses. I'm just going to take my prerequisites because yeah. I'm not doing shit. And I was like, you know, I'll take these prerequisites and I'll transfer it to a fashion school. And then after a year, I was just like, man, fuck this shit. You know, I don't think I'm going to get the, the experience that I need doing it this way. Mm. I think I'm better off just like thugging it out and doing it the hard way and doing it my way. Hustling with the sewing machine, learning as you go. That's it, baby. That's nice. it. It's such an right, inspiring story, man. I mean, like everything that like the way you started, the way you came up two years ago, you were in a shelter. And today you've got a multi-million dollar business with the Periwinkle Maserati smoking weed on the Dapper Villains podcast. <laughs> the pinnacle. And an olive green Maserati. And an olive green Maserati. Olive green also, huh? Yeah, yeah. Olive green was the first one? Oh, no. Wait, you got a... Yeah. Well, it was black at first and I wrapped it uh, olive green. Matt. Nice. Yeah. Nice. With the rich fresh stripe, of course. Absolutely. And and, and two two multi million dollar operations. Sorry. I I apologize. Two multi million dollar operations. <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't get that shit wrong when I'm talking to the You met did you did you meet Rick Flair yet? Have you dressed him up? 
because I saw you do the Ric Flair woo, and I couldn't stop thinking about the Ric Flair woo. Like every time something happened, I'm like, woo. <laughs> yeah, um, that's crazy. Someone from his team reached out to me before that music video and asked me if I could make a robe for him, but they just didn't have the budget or the time frame. I think it was more so the time frame because they wanted something really extravagant, which I could do. Um, I didn't know it was for the video. They just said he needs it for something. And we didn't have the time frame. And um, we, we don't have shit like that in stock, so we'd have to create something. And I only do impeccable work, so I'm not going to throw something together in a few hours. For sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll see. Nice. We'll see what happens. Well, Freshman, we really appreciate your time, dude. You know, thank you so much. Uh Anything you want to plug and like, where can people find you? What do you have coming out? Um, you know, I really want to plug Henry mask, man. Like, uh, that's, that's the thing. I'm so passionate about this right now. Like, you know, we're in a scenario right now. We're in an environment where, uh, we never thought we'd be like, we never thought we'd be in this day and we are, and it's like, we have to evolve, you know, you evolve or die. That's the rule. And, um, we made a product that makes adapting to this new environment easier. You know, we made a very comfortable product. Um, in fact, I got it in my pocket, so I'll put it on. Um, it is our face mask, the Henry mask. Um, you know, it's polypropylene. It's a medical grade material. It's got a filter layer. It's incredibly comfortable. The elasticity is amazing. The construction is amazing. It yeah, is definitely incredibly comfortable. That's the first product that I've owned of yours. I was so happy about it. I, I think yeah. this is also another way to look at it. If, if there's something that, you know, anybody can afford and it's the product that you can buy online off of Rich Fresh, this would be the, this would be the, the thing. Henry yeah, Mask, you know what I'm saying? And like for every mask that we sell, uh, we're donating masks to frontline workers. We're donating masks to schools. We're donating masks to homeless shelters, we're donating masks to families that need them. Like we're real serious about getting these products out because we have to wear masks. We have to wear masks or our health will be compromised. That's just what it is uh, for the time being. So um, only having access to these piss poor, tear apart, throw away masks. These are washable, they're reusable. And it's just a better product. Like if you've got to wear something, you've got to assimilate, you've got to become part of a new thing you should be able to have something that you can apply to your identity you know what i'm saying like okay mm. this is my i can match my mask with what i'm going to wear today with how i feel today this is not just a thing that i have to wear it's the thing that i want to wear because it expresses something it just so happens after it's like pants if we didn't have to wear pants we probably wouldn't wear fucking pants I'm not wearing we pants. have to wear pants <laughs> i'm not wearing pants either <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, since most of us, except for you, pervert, motherfucker, uh, wear pants, then we spend time thinking about the pants that we have to wear. Hmm. We don't just grab pants. We think about what pants we're going to wear, why we're going to wear them. So same thing with masks. Since we have to wear them, they are a new way of life. We should have options. We should be able to think about, hmm, what mask do I want to wear today? Not just this fucking hospital shit you know or these t-shirt ones it's like that's not protecting it's not filtering out anything this is three layers of polypropylene it's three layers it filters out a majority of everything mm. you know 
That's amazing. So yeah, henrymask.com. Uh, it's the mask subscription model. Make sure that you don't ever have to worry about not having any masks. Hmm. You know, we, we developed this in the middle of a mask shortage. No one in the country could get masks in under like a month. And so we built this product out in the middle of a shortage and said, let's make sure we provide a consistent recurring model. So every month people are always getting the thing that they need. So they never run out of this thing that they have to have. This is a matter of life or death. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Hmm. So like, so that's what this is. We're very serious about it. We're very serious about helping and impacting the community as much as we can through this. You know, we've been able to become incredibly successful very quickly with this product, with this brand. And we just want to make sure we do our part by providing like a quality product. Patterns are amazing. The colors are amazing. The fit, the concept, just everything about it. It's the most stylish mask on the market. And it's also the most common. HenryMask.com. Check it out. Fantastic. Well, Fresh, thank you so much, man. All the links to everything for you will be in the show notes. Henry Mask, your Instagram, all that. Again, thank you for your time and uh, hope to talk to you again in the future. Absolutely, man. Appreciate you guys. Have a great day. Thank you, sir. Bye. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Great fucking interview, Jay, huh? Great episode. I mean, first time for a lot of things. First time somebody was on the go while interviewing with us. First time somebody was smoking weed in uh, rolling a whole yeah. joint, which by the way, cigar wraps, that's, that blunt. was very interesting. It's a blunt. So that shit would last you a lot longer. Cause, cause I like, if you, if you're watching this on YouTube, I ref- definitely really want you to see the, the, the time when the rolling starts until the end. That was a long joint. I mean, it took a long time for the joint to finish. Yeah. I think you put a whole nugget in that thing. Whole nugget. Yeah, I love that he keeps the weed in the Henry mask bag. I know, right? Like that. I mean, that's exactly what a normal uh, mask uh, bag. Look, I mean, what a weed container looks like, anyways, right? So. Yeah. What I tell you, what, what an inspiring episode, though, huh? Like just like his he answered story. everything so straight, and I, I feel like normally ten questions are needed for a lot of guests. But uh, with this guy, it was so natural. Like we, we had so many things we wanted to know in our own personal lives as well. Yeah. Like if you create something that's unique and people are going to copy it, hmm. what's, what's the way you want to see yourself being copied? And, and yeah. you have to have a big heart to be able to A, answer that, B, you know, define that. Yeah. You have to have some kind of root thought that you've had before that, you know, you know what, this is going to be the way I'll be remembered. Mm. And I'm fine with, you know, people doing that to a certain extent. Yeah, I mean, well, again, his aesthetic is so, so unique right now that, you know, it's, I think like you brought up, a lot of people were hating and now a lot of those same haters are copying. I I was one of that. I was one of the haters too. I, I thought his... Like I thought it was a bit too much when it was like the drip, uh, the the fuck Monday, you know, where he would just completely strip down naked and then change clothes every time. And like I was like, dude, it's fucking Monday morning. I haven't even had my coffee yet, and I can see your fucking balls dangling, um, you know. Uh, but it's it's him, you know. Like whatever yeah. is weird, make it make people used to it. And yeah. and now I'm used to his balls dangling. Um, that's no. not something I ever wanted to hear you say, Jay. You <laughs> keep another man's balls dangling, <laughs> unless they're mine. 
I'm such an inspired, the fact that two years ago he was living in a shelter. You know, and today he's driving a periwinkle Maserati. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wanted to also know, like, the story about, you know, like, how did he go broke? Um, yeah. Uh, but he was on the move, and I didn't want to. I, I think maybe that would be a little too personal. But um, next time, next I think time he we'll... shared a lot of uh, yeah. personal stories already. Uh, the fact well. that he had five hundred bucks, he spent three hundred bucks on gas to move him and his daughter out to California. But what a what a different uh, I mean way the story turned out to be. Like just yeah. moving to LA, you know, getting those celebrity clients and stuff. I mean, that's that shit will set you for life. Like people will remember you as the yeah. John Legend Taylor, hmm. you know, as Kevin Hart's Taylor, as Dwayne Wade's Taylor, and like those guys say it out in public that I made my suits from Rich Fresh. Yeah. So, you know that that's there forever. Yeah. I mean, does a phenomenal job. There's no no doubt about it. I and mean, just again, such an inspirational story, such a unique perspective. Yeah, I love that a lot of his inspiration. Like when I ask him about the style icon, he's like, no. But then he starts talking about his dad and like how his dad is his style icon, yeah. you know, and like yeah. he looks back at how his dad dressed and when he was 20 and 30 and like, how does he interpret that today? And man, I mean, that, that's the type of personal connection to his aesthetic that, you know, I've never heard him talk about before. And, you know, I was like, just so excited to like, that he's sharing that on our show. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, this this definitely goes in the Hall of Fame of whoever we have interviewed. Absolutely. I know we say that about every episode. Every, but, episode. Uh, every episode. After every episode, it does feel like that, you know? Like, yeah. um, I think there were one or two that was really boring. Like, the guests were really boring, and we we were not, like, um, 100%. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm starting to like these 4.30 a.m. shows, you know? I feel... Yeah, actually, I feel good. Mind yeah. is, dude, my mind is completely free. You know, I'm fresh. I literally drank like 800 milliliters of coffee. Though. Dude, I had no coffee yet. I'm actually looking forward to like the next coffee and like start you literally my day woke up like 30 seconds before we started recording. No, so. that's not true. I went to a, sh I, I showered, I uh, brushed <laughs> my teeth. To I actually woke up many times because I was so excited. Yeah. And um, you know, like normal, like it was like I I couldn't sleep until one, mm. and then woke up at three, three thirty, three fifty kept pressing on that snooze button until 4.30. And then I'm like, oh, fuck, I'm late. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I, I was on 29, you're logging on. You're like, are we good to go? Yeah. <laughs> so definitely an amazing episode. Definitely a great episode. Um, I'd love to, if you guys have thoughts about it, like, let us know. I want to know what you guys think about, you know, Rich Fresh and his aesthetic, his style, his story. I mean, what a crazy story. Amazing wow. story. Yeah. Well, all right, guys. Until next time, stay dapper. Stay dapper. Stay vigilant. <laughs>